Praise the Lord. I'm going to minister out of Joel, Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. Famous passage of scripture. We understand this. Peter quoted it on the day of Pentecost. God poured out his spirit uh, there on the day of Pentecost. And he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quoted Joel 2.28. And uh, so let's read verses 28 to 32. Can we do that? And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Well, obviously, Joel was, you know, an Old Testament prophet. And uh, this was a prophecy that was for the people of God at that time. It also was a prophecy that looked forward to the very last days, the tribulation period, the judgment of God, and what God would do in the midst of that great judgment. So it's a last day prophecy. But I'd like to talk about us today, living in America. I don't know if you realize this, according to the scriptures, we are living in the last days. And the Bible says, and it will come to pass in the last days that he's going to pour out his spirit. And we are living in those last days. And I believe a lot of what was experiencing Joel, uh, the circumstances during Joel's ministry, his time of prophesying to the people of Judah, the city of Jerusalem, in many ways reflects and mirrors what's happening in America. I believe that America is in great crisis and in great turmoil. You believe that, don't you? A lot of things that are happening. And uh, the Bible here talks about... During the time that God is going to be outpouring his spirit, he mentions that there's going to be wonders in heaven and in earth. In verse 30, blood and fire and pillars of smoke, sun darkened, moon turned to blood. And of course, I think if we listen to the news and get on social media, you talk about that blood, the murder, talking about fire, arson, smoke, looting. That's happening in America. We understand that. And the Bible says the sun is darkened and the moon turns to blood. And so they lost their light during that time. Now, Jesus is the son of righteousness, the Bible says. The earthly son is a type or a a picture of the faithfulness of God. And it's also a type of picture of the healing power of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the sun is darkened. And of course, the moon, according to the scriptures, is the lesser light of God's creation. The sun is the greater light. The moon is the lesser light. The moon has no light in and of itself. It simply reflects the light of the sun. And uh, we're living in a time when The name of Jesus, looking to God, the gospel, the answer of the message of the cross seems to be absent from America. The sun seems to be darkened. And of course, we who reflect his light, we're the lesser light. We're the light of the world, but we reflect his light. We're like the moon. We've lost maybe our ability to shine right now, or it seems to be like we're being uh, put down. I'm not saying we've lost our ability because I'm trying to shine my light, aren't you? But I want you to know that all that's happening in America and the turmoil that's happening and the crisis that's happening, a lot of times the message of the gospel seems to be 
just drowned out. And people don't look to the church for the answer. They look to other things for answers. Joel was prophesying during a time when there was great prosperity in the land. But the people of God had become complacent in their prosperity. Taking God for granted, they had turned to self-centeredness, idolatry, and sin. So God raised up this prophet to speak the word of the Lord to these people. He tells us in Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, and this is the precondition or This is why God is pouring out his spirit. If they would do this, God would pour out his spirit. And in Joel 2, 12 and 13, it says this. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. So in Joel 2, 12 and 13, God through the prophet is calling his people to repent. And it says, and it shall come to pass afterward, Joel 2, 20, afterward, it shall come to pass afterward. After what? After the people of God repent. After the people of God turn from their wicked ways, rend their heart, call on the name of the Lord, humble themselves. We know that the Bible tells us this in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's what the Solomon prayed when he dedicated the temple. And uh, we, we, we talk about that a lot when we talk about our nation. And really, that's kind of the sense of what Joel is talking about. If you repent, if you turn from your wickedness, and after you would do that, then I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to pour out my spirit. If my people humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I'm going to heal their land, Solomon prays. Well, the healing of the land comes through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because that's how God changes hearts. We need a heart change. A heart change. Laws can only do so much, but God can change a heart. So, on Wednesday... Wednesday morning, I'm a, I'm a light sleeper. I wake up, turn over, fall back to sleep, wake up. I can do that five to ten times a night. Just wake up, roll over, fall asleep. Sometimes I wake up, roll over, and I don't fall asleep. Takes me a while. So I turn on the TV, wake my wife up, and uh, she'll make me a cup of, cup of hot chocolate and uh, have that, uh, that, that bad attitude that uh, she can get. Anyway, so it was uh, Wednesday morning. And uh, I've never had this happen, but as I was kind of lightly sleeping, this passage of Scripture just kept going over and over and over again. It was Joel 2, 28 and 29. Joel 2, 28 and 29. I, I read the passage of Scripture. I'll read it to you again. It shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on the men's servants and maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And that just that passage of scripture just kept going over and over and over again. It wasn't a dream where I saw images. But as I was sleeping, that was like being quoted to me. And then right as I was waking up on Wednesday morning, 
Because remember, as soon as I opened my eyes, it was 5.58. 5.58. I get up about 6 o'clock in the morning. It was 5.58 on my alarm clock there. So it was right as I was waking up, a man was speaking into my ear, and he was saying this, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. As loud as I've ever heard the voice of God speak to me. As loud as I've ever heard it speak to me. And as soon as he said that, my eyes popped open and I said, that was the Lord. So it was going, this passage of scripture is repeated and repeated, repeated over and over again as I was just in my sleep, just, uh, just repeated, repeated. And, uh, and then as soon as I was opening my eyes, I heard a man, it was a man's voice, obviously it wasn't a man, but a man's voice speaking into, I was laying on my right side, so I was speaking into my left ear, and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And I opened up my eyes, began to share, woke up my wife, began to share that encounter with the Lord. And I want to talk about being filled with the spirit, God pouring out his spirit. We need that, don't we? We need that as individuals, as families. We need that as a church. We need that as citizens of the United States of America. We need God to pour out his spirit. America is in crisis. We understand that. There's hatred. There's violence. There's, there's murder. There's all these things. And on top of that, we got a worldwide pandemic that touches the lives of everybody. Strong feelings and strong emotions. Oh, how we need God to pour out his spirit on all flesh. God pours out his spirit in the midst of calamity and crisis. That's what's happening here. I'm going to pour out my spirit at a time when you need to repent. You need to turn from your wicked ways and repent of your sins. At a time when there's blood and fire and smoke, that's when I'm pouring out my spirit. So God pours out his spirit in times of crisis. A lot of times we think that God pours out his spirit in times of peace and rest when all is well. But many times it's in times of controversy, in times of crisis, and in times of calamity. Why is that? Because God wants all of us to know that he And only he is the ultimate answer of all of our problems. It is God. Now, God uses calamities to get man's attention. Does God have your attention? Does God have your attention? Are you looking to God? Are you calling on the Lord? Are you during this time humbling yourself and as, uh, as Minister Becky talked about having that godly attitude or are you filled with anger? Are you filled with hatred? Are you filled with strife? Are you filled with carnality during this time because of the decisions that other people have made and all that is happening in our Society. God not only uses calamities to get man's attention, but God uses calamities to make man desperate for God. Oh, how we need the Lord. Are you desperate for your, for God? Are you looking to God? Do you need God? Do you sense that you need God in your life and in your family, in your business, in your relationships, in your country, in your nation? Are you desperate for God? 
It tells us in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9, In the night I search for you. In the morning I earnestly seek you. For only when you come to judge the earth will people learn what is right. And so here Isaiah is prophesying and he's talking about how he is seeking God and he's desperate for the Lord. It's a time of God's judgment. And in the time of God's judgment, people start looking for answers. And he says, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to inquire of God. I'm going to press into God Almighty. I love that passage of scripture in the book of Isaiah. When the enemy comes in like a flood. The Spirit of God can lift up a stand. And know how we need the flood of God to come. I know there's a flood of filth. There's a flood of anger. There's a flood of this and that. But if we can get the Holy Spirit moving and rolling over the hearts of people, that is the answer that we need. We need that as an answer. The Bible tells us hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's a proverb. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, the Song of Solomon talks about being lovesick. And Proverbs talks about being heartsick. There's a time when you can be lovesick. Oh, Jesus, I just want to love you more. I just want to love you more. But there is, that's being lovesick. And those are wonderful times where the Spirit of God creates in you a love and a passion and a desire to love Jesus more and more. But there's also a thing called being heartsick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that's in times of trial, testing, and calamity where you get heart sick. Your hope has been deferred. The answer is still on the way. You haven't seen it yet. You're in the midst of trial. Your hope has been deferred. Your heart is sick. And when you get truly heart sick for God, you then become desperate for God. You Then you realize you need God to come through, that he is the answer. And I trust We have some people here today that are heartsick, desperate for God, realizing you need more of God. You know, one thing about uh, the gospel, it's it's counterintuitive to the ways of this world. How many believe that? It's counterintuitive. The world always focuses in on how people are treating you, but the gospel turns that right around and makes the focus, how are you treating people? How are you treating other people? Not how are people treating you, but rather as a Christian, God's spirit works in us to where we're not so focused on how we're being treated, but rather what's coming out of our heart. How are we treating others? Are we loving people? Are we forgiving people? Are we being kind to people? Are we being gracious to people? How are we treating people? Oh, how we need to be desperate for God. Am I right about that? desperate for God. So in times of calamity, God pours out his spirit. Also, God pours out his spirit upon the repentant. I already read Joel chapter 2 verse 12. The Lord says, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and with mourning. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit. So God pours out his spirit in times of great calamity and great crisis. And we have that. So let's look to God to pour out his spirit. And God pours out his spirit upon the repentant. He does not pour out his spirit upon those that are hard-hearted, those that are resistant, those that remain in their sin, 
those that are hating their brother or their sister, those that have attitudes that are displeasing to the Lord. God pours out his spirit upon the repentant. And I believe repentance needs to be a lifestyle for every believer. A lifestyle. I repented back April 15, 1976 as an 18-year-old. When I gave my heart to Jesus, I turned from my sin and I turned to God. I repented. But I want you to know if that's the last time I repented to salvation, that's the last time I did that, I'm in deep, deep trouble. Repentance needs to be a lifestyle. We need to be turning from sin and turning to God on a regular basis. It needs to be part of our worship, part of our relationship with God, part of our devotion. Search me, O God, and know me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. So I believe repentance needs to be a lifestyle. Repentance prepares our heart to receive from God. The preparations of the heart belong to man, the Bible tells us in Proverbs. It's not as if God prepares your heart. He says, I want you to prepare your heart. I want you to get right with me. We understand that we respond to that because of the dealings of the Holy Spirit. But Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 says this. So for yourselves, righteousness, reap in mercy... Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. So Hosea chapter 10 verse 12, it is clear God is asking his people to break up their fallow ground, to prepare their heart for the outpouring or the rain of the Holy Spirit. Don't maintain a hard heart. Don't maintain an angry heart. Don't have a A a hate-filled heart, but open up your heart. Break up that fallow ground. Prepare yourself to receive from God. Sow to yourselves. Break up that fallow ground. There's time when you're going to be able to reap the mercy of God in your life. Repentance empties your heart of sin in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like it's a way of getting it out of the way so that... God is free then to move. Bible tells us, don't quench the spirit. Don't grieve the spirit. And so when we harbor, like the Bible tells us in in the book of Psalms, if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. If we regard or treasure sin in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. We need to make sure that our heart has been swept clean. John the Baptist talks about this. John writing, he says this, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. And who's that one that's mightier than John the Baptist? Jesus, thank you. One mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So the Lord Jesus has two ministries, according to John the Baptist, to baptize us or to immerse us with the Holy Spirit and with fire, with fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. That's the idea of getting rid of the chaff, right? The threshing floor, the winnowing fan. 
blowing upon it, gathering the wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn up with unquenchable fire. So the twofold ministry of Jesus Christ is that before he baptizes you with the Spirit, he takes the, the winnowing hand and the threshing instrument of the Holy Spirit, and he takes that which is in your heart, which is called chaff, and he gets it rid of it and then burns it up, By his mighty fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit, dealing with the sins, the chaff that is in our hearts, we need to make room for the Holy Spirit to be outpoured by having an attitude and a spirit of repentance. Welcome back. (laughs) So repentance empties your heart of sin. In order so that we might be filled with the Holy Spirit, may God's fire purge away the dross and the chaff out of our hearts so that we might be vessels purified by the precious blood of Jesus and so desperate that we want more of God. Hallelujah. So God pours out his spirit in times of crisis and calamity and also upon the heart of those that are truly repentant where we're in that time of crisis and calamity as a nation and this COVID-19 this has affected every single one of us in one way or the other it's a worldwide plague it's affected us that's why everybody has strong feelings because everybody feels the effect of it personally or in your family or in your business or politically and But as the people of God, we got to look beyond just the political strife, the racial strife, and all that is happening in America. We have to turn our eyes on Jesus in times of crisis. God, need to repent of those things that are in our hearts, not justifying them. Well, yeah, you know, the Bible promises to pour out his spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters. How many sons do we have in the house? If you're a son, raise your hand. Every man should be raising your hand. You're a son. I'm not saying, man, how many have sons? Are you a son? And how many daughters are in the house? If you're a daughter, raise your hand. Well, the promise is for you, for your children, as for many as the Lord our God will call. He promises to pour out his spirit upon the young and the old. The young men are seeing visions. The old men are dreaming dreams. So was that a dream the Lord gave me? No, it was a vision. It was a vision. He promises to pour out the spirit. It was a vision. It was not a dream. It was the voice of Almighty God speaking into my ear that he wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. My wife says, well, what does that mean? I said, I don't know what it means for this Sunday or for the next week or the next month, but I believe God, that God wants to pour out his spirit not only upon my life, but also upon my church. I believe that. I believe that. I'm a local church pastor. I don't get words for America, but let's believe that he's going to pour out his spirit upon the United States of America. Can I say, get a witness on that? Sons and daughters, young and old, men and women, have you been filled with the spirit? I know I was two days after I got saved. I was wonderfully baptized with the Holy Spirit. But if that's my last encounter with the Lord, my last experience with God, 
the last time that he poured into me so that I might pour out to others, then I'd want you to know I am a empty, empty vessel right now. May I ask you that question? When was the last time you encountered God and God encountered you in deep, meaningful ways? When's the last time you said, oh, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come and touch me. Come and fill me. Take out this sin. Replace it with your love. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, do not be drunk with wine. That leads to excessive behavior, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't come under the influence of this world. Wine is a product of this world. Don't fall under its influence. Don't let it be your drug. Don't let it be your empowerment. Don't let it be the thing that changes your perspective or changes your life, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Can I say put away the influence of this world? Don't let the newscast, that social media, those things that are happening, what the governor is doing, what that president is doing, but let's fall under the influence of Almighty God. Let's be filled with his spirit. God loves to pour out his spirit and redeem the calamity. I think about God pouring out his spirit during the time of Joel's prophecy upon a backward people and the nation of Judah, the city of Jerusalem, had fallen under the great judgment of the Lord because of their Backslidden state that God sent swarming locusts. You read, Joel, it's the swarming locusts that came and plagued that land. The chewing locusts and the spitting locusts and the flying It just describes them all. Uh, I don't know if I could find out that list. Uh, there it is, verse 25. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts has eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts. I mean, there's four kinds of locusts. I just, it was literally a physical plague of locusts that came in and just destroyed the harvest, left them all in poverty. This was God's judgment upon their wayward, backslidden hearts. And Joel's prophesying there's coming a time in the last days where there's going to be blood and fire and smoke. And I believe you read the book of Revelation and the time of God's wrath and the great tribulation. I believe it, it obviously uh, uh, goes to that time. But we're also in the last days. And we can apply this. And I believe when God pours out his spirit, he redeems the situation. Rather than the blood referring to murder, rather than the fire referring to arson, rather than the smoke referring to looting and rioting, why don't we have the blood refer to the blood of Jesus? And the fire to the fire of Almighty God. And the smoke referring to the presence of God. When God pours out His Spirit, may the cross be lifted high. The blood of Jesus. May the fire of God be our passion and be our purity. May He purge us from our sins. And may the presence of God come by the Spirit of the Lord. Right? You know, Solomon is praying and he talks about if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and I will heal their land. And soon after he prayed that prayer, we're talking about blood and fire and smoke. So this is what happens. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord, the smoke filled the room. The glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Well, where is the blood? It was in the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. As Solomon prayed, God answered. 
the giving of the blood, which represents the cross, the fire sent down from heaven, and the Shekinah presence of God, the smoke filled that temple. Oh, how we need that, don't we, church? Oh, how we need more of God. If you believe that, just raise your right hand and say, I believe that. I believe that. So I'm telling you that God wants to pour out his spirit. I'm saying we need to repent. I'm not talking about them out there. I'm talking about us. If my people, which are called by my name, you can get that bad attitude. You can get that wrong spirit. You can be speaking those evil things. We're not exempt. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The human heart can become very dark. We need to get on our knees and turn to God. Let's repent and be filled with the Spirit because being filled with the Spirit follows repentance. Just close your eyes. Got something I want to read to you. Just let the Holy Spirit search your heart. The word that just came resonating in my spirit that I would like us to deal with today is the word anger. Anger. Anger in your heart. Just going to read this with your eyes closed. Don't resist these words, but as the Spirit of God would speak to you, and you might be saying, well, there's nothing for me to repent of. Fine. That's between you and the Lord, but maybe there is. Are you angry at the president or the governor? Are you angry at politicians, the media, social media? Are you angry at the police or racists? Or white supremacists? Are you angry at the demonstrators? The rioters? The looters? Are you angry with America? With Christians? Are you striving? Demanding? Or hateful in your heart? It all needs to be replaced with the love, kindness, and peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. James says this, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above comes from the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, the wisdom that is from above. Listen, this is the type of wisdom we need. Is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It's my goal, my intent is to have us on our knees this morning. So if you can turn and make an altar right where you're at, if you're not able to get on your knees, I understand that. Just make an altar just sitting there right where you're at. This physical posture of kneeling is... Humility before the Lord and dependency upon God. The Bible says, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. 
Kneeling before God is something that every church member can say yes and amen to. Am I right about that? I will kneel before the Lord. I will kneel before the cross. I will humble myself and I will repent. Do you need to repent today of anger, of hate, of racism? strife worldliness carnality of lukewarmness just confess your sin to the Lord what sin is God speaking to you about this morning What do you need to turn from? We love you, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, as pastor of this church, Lord, I just lead our church in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, of turning from our sin, turning to you, O Lord. A lot of blood, fire, and smoke. A lot of attitudes. Lord, that are like a flood just sweeping over our nation. We are your people and we humble ourselves according to your command. And our hope is in you, O Lord, and we repent of any sin that is in our hearts. We're not pointing the finger at anybody, but rather we're looking to you, O God. Speak, Lord. Holy Spirit, search our hearts. See what is in there. Root out any sin. Root out any attitude. Root out any philosophy or belief system that is contrary to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope is in you. And oh Lord, I pray that you hear us today and look down from heaven and say that is a people that have emptied their hearts so I might fill them with my spirit. Fill us, Lord, with your spirit. Replace these things that are displeasing in your sight. Cover them with your blood. Forgive us, O Lord. Remove them out of us and, O, replace it with your spirit. With love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and patience and meekness and self-control. Lord, for more of the fruit of the spirit, that is what we want more than anything, O God. Fill us with your spirit. We need you, O God. The spirit of God that sheds abroad in our hearts the love of God that enables us to be peacemakers promise keepers to enable us to love our enemies to love one another as Christ loved this church enables us to forgive our trespasses even as we forgive those who have trespassed against us Lord we want your spirit that enables us to love to make peace to forgive these supernatural qualities Lord may they reside in our hearts May we, like the moon, reflect the light and glory of the Son, Jesus Christ, to this dark world during these perilous times. Answer us from heaven with fire. Answer us from heaven with the pouring out of your Spirit. We need you, God. And we say in the midst of calamity and crisis, we repent. We look to you. You're our Savior. 
You're our coming king. Our life is given over to you, O God. Teach us, show us, lead us in the way of everlasting life. Let us be that example in the midst of chaos of a people that love God and love one another. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit. Come down upon your people, O Lord. Come down, come down, come down upon your people. Pour out your spirit. Give us more of you, O Lord. Let us be baptized in your spirit. Let us be filled with your love. Let us manifest your fruit. Let us operate in your power. Let us walk in holiness. Oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit. Pour it out upon your people. Have your way among us. Move among us, oh God. If you agree with that, say amen. Let's all stand in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We bless your name. Worship him. Worship the Lord. Give him glory. Give him praise. We shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come down, Holy Spirit. Come down upon us.
Hallelujah. And we raise it with a smile on our face, joy in our heart, humbly ready to receive the Spirit of the Lord. If you agree with that, someone say amen. Amen. Oh, thank you, church. Thank you so much for coming out on this beautiful Sunday morning to have church service. It's been awesome.